circumstances of what brought Kathy here is many of you got the prayer request that Karen's husband, Frank, was taken to the hospital on uh, Thursday and diagnosed with uh, brain cancer and had emergency surgery that night. He's, he's stable, uh, but he's definitely not out of the woods, and so we need to keep him in our prayers as well. And then I'd like to just... Uh, Jake, your grandma and grandpa are here this morning. Why don't you guys stand up and let's just welcome them this morning. <clears throat> they brought Jake to our church um, eight years ago, I believe it was. So it sounds like my microphone is not going to be working this morning. You hear it? Yeah. You can hear my microphone, but I hear something else too. So I'm not sure what that all is. But technical difficulties is just a part of getting used to a new building, isn't it? Facebook Live, though. Oh, my. Well, we're always alive around here, I would hope. So being Facebook, I don't even know how to use Facebook. So, uh, But if you do know Facebook, and, you know, we try to learn how various ways to communicate to folks. And our program is actually now being uh, back on television and, and all and on the website and we just encourage people to listen or help other folks to come uh, to hear, especially we try to present the gospel every Sunday so people have the opportunity to put their faith in the Lord. Well, if this is your first time, we want to welcome you to Westside Baptist Church and just a wonderful opportunity to uh, worship the Lord together. Turn your Bibles to Matthew, if you would. Matthew chapter uh, 7. Matthew chapter 7. I got a lot of stuff to go over this morning. I need to put the pedal to the metal. And, uh, yeah, there you go. Something took care of it. Whatever you did, you remember it. Is it this, is it on, and not me? Okay. <laughs> That'll do it. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, we are going to be looking at the straight and narrow gate. Last week, we looked at uh, Matthew seven twelve, And really, if, if you were to look at Matthew seven twelve, you could almost say that it is the pinnacle of change to the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, he has already given chapter 5, chapter 6, and half of chapter 7, and talking about various things, and we've reviewed those things, and all, and then last week we gave what's called the golden rule or the rule of gold. Uh, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is for everything. This this hangs all the laws and the prophets. And we talked about that in some detail last week. And that truly all the laws hang upon loving God and loving others. And the reason why we don't do this is because we are selfish. We focus on ourselves more than we focus on other people. And so I gave a definition last week of what selfishness is. It's not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking less on yourself. And I've been thinking about that a lot. It's not just thinking about what I can get accomplished, what I can do. But can I just also say this? Can I just encourage all of you in this? Thinking less of your failures as well. 
Because when you think of your failures, you're thinking on yourself. God wants us, the Bible says, a just man falls, but he gets back up. You don't need to stay down. He didn't say if you confess your sins, he's going to think about it. He says he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And I, all of us have a tendency to beat ourselves up when we fail. Now, truly, we don't want to fail, amen? That's, by the way, one of the characteristics of a born-again believer. They don't want to sin. They don't want to do wrong. They want to please God. But the old devil's the accuser of the brethren, and he wants to beat you up and wants to keep you down and doesn't want you to function in the joy of the Lord so he'll keep accusing you. And so uh, sometimes I will, I will run this scenario in my head. Boy, if, if only I had done that a little bit better. I know I was up at uh, Karen and Frank on, on Thursday night, and, and this scenario started running into my head. Again, well, well, maybe we should have stayed just a little bit longer. You know, and sometimes you can say, well, I should have done this, or what if that? And, and sometimes you get into those kinds of things that can actually beat you up in the things that you want to do, and we truly want to be spirit-led. But it was wonderful. As we left, uh, more recruits came to carry on, and, and, and you could only let so many people in the emergency room. And so God knows all these things. But do you have a tendency to beat yourself up and say, man, I wish I'd done that a little bit better. I wish I waited a little bit longer. It would have been on sale. I, I wish I hadn't. You know, well, you know, there's a lot of wishes out there. Let's stop doing those kinds of things because that is selfishness. You're thinking on yourself rather than thinking on other folks. And so I've written down this year as part of one of my goals is staying in his presence. Staying in his presence. Praising him. Not getting distracted by the things of life and the circumstances or, or my own failures. In fact, that's what I, I, I put down here, not focusing on my failures. By the way, do you think the pastor has any failures? Someone called me last night and said, well, I esteem a pastor pretty high. I said, so you shouldn't. I know the Bible does say they count him worthy of double honor and to respect and honor and, and those types of things. But a pastor can fail and let you down just as easily as anybody else. God will never let you down. Amen. And then I put on here and staying in his presence and focusing on others. Well, one of our men shared this uh, uh, thought about selfless, about thinking you're selfless. And this is what a teenager came up with. Sometimes the more we try to think about being selfless, the more we think about self. So we just need to put others first, then our self will naturally fade into the background. Isn't that good? That was a teenager. Wow. How true. How true. May God help us with that. To recognize what's going on in our lives, I'm going to tell you something. We don't check our Christianity at the door when we leave this place. Recognize what's going on. Helping God, helping us to see what God wants us to accomplish and to do and to, and to, to, to love him and to love others. And then to replace, if I have a trouble with selfishness, which all of us do, replace it with others. 
What a blessing. Well, we're going to get in now. So that was kind of, it's almost like he took the, the whole part of this sermon and the whole Old Testament, and he brings it to that place there in verse 12. Now, verse 13, through the rest of the sermon, verse 29, you're going to find that it's more about an invitation. So he's laid groundwork. He summed up all of this Sermon on the Mount with verse 12 and, and the laws and the prophets and those things. Now he's, he's going to move on and he's saying, hey, listen, there are two roads out there. You'll see that. Two kinds of directions. Two kinds of decisions. You'll find that he concludes this Sermon on the Mount with two builders out there. It's time to make decisions. We don't just come to church to listen. We don't just pick up our Bibles to find out what it has to say, but we want to act and we want to decide what does God want us to do with the things that we've heard. Amen to that? And so this morning, I want you to make some decisions and ask God, what path am I on? Can we pray that God's spirit would work this morning. Father, I just pray that, Lord, that you'll work in our hearts. One, to be thankful that we have made right choices or recognize if we're not in the right choices. So, Lord, I pray that you'll work. Help each one of us now to respond accordingly, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Here he says, Enter ye in at the gate, the straight gate, the narrow gate, for wide is that gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Can I ask you, what path are you on? Are you on the broad path, or are you on the narrow path? This morning, I hope that as we go through some of these things, that it will help you with that. When God gives invitations, and by the way, God does give invitations. He asks people to uh, follow him. And there are people in the Bible that came and wanted to follow him. And can I just say this? As you read this passage and you read other invitations of the Lord, he doesn't always make it that appealing of an invitation. As this man came to find and follow the Lord and people come, he says, listen, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Well, that doesn't maybe sound like the place that I want to go, you see. Now, listen, there are other invitations. He says, and Jesus said, follow me, and I will make you what? Fishers of men. That's what I'm so excited about, this exchange coming. I'm telling you what, it's a uh, class A uh, program that we're going to be able to, to engage in on Saturday and Sunday and then uh, on Wednesday and Thursday, I think it's about 12 hours of concentrated effort to help us to learn how to be fishers of men. When we get saved, man, we want to pass that baton to others that they too might get saved. He says in John 15, 4, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. These are parts of the invitation. 
that the Lord gives. In Revelation 22:17, the very last of the Bible, the Spirit and the Bride says, Come, let him who hears say, Come, and let who is thirsty come, whosoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. God's invitation is for mankind to come to Jesus Christ, to drink of that water like he offered to the woman at the well, that she would never thirst again. And I want to ask you, do you have that water? Do you have, have you entered in to that straight and narrow <coughs> gate? So in this sermon, he has laid forth certain aspects of the qualities of people who will be a part of his kingdom. Not that those qualities make them a part of the kingdom, but this is a peculiar people who will be in that kingdom. The kingdom will be filled with different people. People that have been saved and changed. And the Bible says people will persecute you. People won't like you. Can you imagine if you're trying to lead someone to the Lord early and you say to them, he says, listen, people aren't going to like you after you get saved. Most times that's not usually a part of our invitation call, is it? But is it a truth? It is a truth. You are a peculiar people. So as we go into this this morning, let's look at these two uh, uh, different gates and, uh, and the two courses, the course of blessing and course of curse, cursing, uh, straight and narrow. This sermon, Jesus is up front. He says this is different. Uh, it is. He, he doesn't say, hey, listen, let's, let's reach out here and, 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 and suck them in. And as they get closer and everything, that, that entrance is going to narrow. He doesn't say that. He says that the very entrance of this gate is narrow. It doesn't narrow as you get into it. It's narrow right at the beginning. Do you all see that? There is one way to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ. And I, I've said this time and time again. People say that's narrow. Well, what does he say here? It is narrow. And if you want to go to heaven, guess what? You've got to go and enter that gate. Immediately narrow. Uh, and he says in these beatitudes that there be persecution, and he talks about the salt and the light, and he's, he's laying down really a different kind of philosophy, uh, a different thought pattern than what was in the religious realm at that time. He talks about the exceeding righteousness. He talks about alms. He talks about prayers. He talks about loving your enemies. He talks about praying for your enemies. He talks about lust. He talks about not judging. He talks about turning the other cheek. He talks about giving the coat. He talks about going the extra mile. You see, on this narrow way, those are those things that are going to be in that narrow way. Does that make sense? One way, one authority, one power. People will say, well, that's your interpretation. Can, can I all ask you a question? When we read this this morning, uh, is there an interpretation here that we're missing? People say, well, that's your opinion. By the way, there's only one opinion that counts, and that's God's. I can have and I can say whatever I want. It will not change truth. And I want to encourage you. You find God's way. Uh, <clears throat> this gate is narrow. Uh, can't take your self-righteousness in. The luggage of your depraved nature. 
I uh, went on a hike with uh, Dr. Tetro. He was our speaker at our grand uh, opening here. And uh, in Arizona, you know, I didn't realize that there was such beauty in the mountains of Arizona, but there are. And he took me on this hike. We had a wonderful time. And we came to Fat Boy's Pass. And he, and he said, I'm going to take you to Fat Boy's Pass. And I looked at him, and I looked at me, and I thought, uh-oh, I bet you we're not going to pass. <laughs> now, truly, he had to take his belt off and suck it in to get through. I didn't have to. I just have to tell you that, but uh, he had to. So here's this narrow way and, and all, and, it, and it's not a religion. Do you all understand? There is no religion that will take you to heaven, right? Can I hear a hearty amen on that? I remember when I was in Africa and I was talking to people and they were saying about the various things of church and the things that they had to do. And it was it was as if you had to go to that church, you had to follow those tenets in order to get to heaven. There's one way to heaven. It is narrow, yes, but it's easy, isn't it? It's bought and brought by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see oftentimes in the Bible this idea of the question of heaven and earth making a choice, not always the choice of heaven and hell. In this passage, if I could bring this out, this passage is about people being on this broad path. They're on this path. And they're making a choice to get off the broad path onto the narrow path. The trouble is, most people don't even recognize what path they're on. And so as we look at this this broad path. What does the Bible say? How many people are on this broad path? <clears throat> There's a whole bunch of people on this broad path, aren't there? Uh, popularity and, you know, uh, you know, if you ever had your kids say, well, everybody's doing it. Well, just take them to this passage here. Everybody seems like they're on this path. Very few come off this path. But you kind of get this idea that this is life's path and people are engaged in life's path. And they're, they're going down this path, and there's, there's a lot of things on this path. There's, there's busyness. And if I could just say this, I sometimes believe that Satan wants to keep people busy, wants to keep them entertained, wants to keep them having the gaieties of life and the successes of life so they don't even realize where they're going. They have sufficiency right now. Why change? I'm going to tell you why to change. Because that path has a destination. And so as people are carousing and partying and they say, man, this is living. No. This is dying. It's broad. It's superficial. It's empty. I'm going to tell you something. You, I would hope that all of us begin to see how much emptiness is in this world. <clears throat> People don't even know what path they're on, and they don't contemplate where does that path lead them. I want to ask you the question this morning, where is your path leading you? I mean, it's good to stop and get an answer there, isn't it? A lot of people are on this path. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4.4, whose mind the God of this age has blinded who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. 
You know, Satan has a way to give you the pleasures, give me the pleasures and the luxuries of life so that as if I don't even need God. Don't let Satan blind your eyes. <clears throat> the Bible says here you need to look for that gate. Most people aren't even looking. As you go out there, and as I was studying the Bible on this, I see people sometimes not looking and things happen in their lives that makes them aware that, hey, there is a God out there. How about the Philippian jailer? Was he looking to be saved? No. But God, through the testimony of Paul and Silas at midnight and their praising God, was such a testimony that the Philippian jailer says, what must I do to be saved? How about the people at Pentecost where Peter got up and preached the message and people had gathered around there at this Jewish holiday and as they gathered around they saw these people speaking in tongues and they wondered what in the world was going on and Peter got up and preached an amazing message. And at the end of that message they said, what do we need to do to be saved? How about the guy coming home from uh, the temple and uh, Stephen, uh, was it Stephen? No, Philip. Philip met him on the road back to uh, um, Ethiopia. Man, he was searching, wasn't he? So there are people that are out there searching. There are people who are not out there searching. It is our job to share with them the Lord Jesus Christ. I think that's one of the things, Pastor Nathan, that I like about our door knocking on Mondays. We go door knocking at 3.30. And it has been wonderful going out in our communities around us here as people have been wondering when we are going to get over here, kind of like uh, Rahab the harlot when uh, Joshua and the crew finally showed up there in uh, Jericho. Uh, what took you guys so long to get here, you know? Well, it, it was a four-year journey. It wasn't a 40-year journey. But it's been wonderful to go out there, and as we put things on the doors, or we talk to people about Christ, we say, well, what do we see from that? Well, I'll tell you what we see. We are reminding people that there's a God. And in a godless world that we're living in, how much more do we need to be sharing our faith? Amen to that? That's our theme this year, engaging souls for the kingdom. Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. There's an end to their destiny. And their journey. Sometimes God brings ill health to you. Uh, Maybe sometimes you have in your soul wondering what life's all about. It just seems like I'm walking through life. And yeah, I got the greatest computer and the new iPhone 7. And and it just seems like things are not as stimulating to me as they used to be. You begin to question, what's life all about? We had a couple couples over on night, or excuse me, Friday night, and it was wonderful as we sat at the table and we got to hear their testimony. It's amazing. These folks have been coming to our church for a long time. You know, until you ask them their testimony, you, you don't know all what was in their lives, and we just had a wonderful time, and one of them said, says, you know, I grew up and made a profession early on in life, but it just seemed like there was so much emptiness in my life, I really began to question what is the purpose of life. God began to work in my soul, and I accepted Christ as my Savior. What brought you to the Lord? Were you looking? Did God speak to your heart? Did he help you to have a hunger there to 
to get saved. So what we see here is is uh, helping people to find. And, and he says here, he talks to people about, look for this gate. You've got to make a decision. You're already on the broad road. God says he didn't come to condemn the world. The world's already condemned. He came to save the world. And the Spirit will work in our hearts. Now, I want you to know something. And here, I just a little theology this morning. Is that all right? How, are you up to some theology this morning? By the way, everything I've said is theology, by the way. But sometimes uh, we'll use that word. I want to give you something here that I believe is very consistent in the Scripture. And that is, when we ask ourselves, what is our part of salvation, or what is God's part of salvation? Y'all understand what I'm saying about that? What is our part of salvation, what is God's part of salvation? When I look through this, and I look into the Greek language, very consistent that and I find it, uh, Carolyn, very marvelous. I, I mean, I love, and you probably on Wednesday nights sometimes maybe get tired of me using some of the Greek and all. But it's interesting, the word enter there. Enter there. It is in the aorist passive. It is in the aorist passive. What that means is you're on this broad road and you're just kind of, flying through life, and all of a sudden, you see it. You see the reality that Jesus Christ is the way to get to heaven. And the aorist active is you make a decision. It's actually a one-time decision. It's a decision, and the active means you make the decision. You see, God gives us the choice in salvation. That is our part. Now, his part is to help you to see that door. And he wants people to find that door. And his part is that he sent God to die on the cross, but he wants you to open up that door. And then his part is to transform your life. He's the one that changes you, transforms you. And that's in the passive, aorist passive. One time, done to you by God. Some people say, I don't know if I can get saved and really live up the life. No, it's your choice to accept Christ. It's what he does after you accept Christ that changes your life. Does everybody understand that? Look at these verses that we can find. Now, there is none who understand. There's none who seek after God. You're going to find that people are just going through their life. And it's interesting, the word that he uses here is a different Greek word for seek. This word seek is the idea is that there's not a lot of people out there, and in fact none, that are just going diligently seeking for God. It doesn't mean that you don't have a knowledge of God or a heart for God. It's the idea that you're not going to be diligent. It's a completely different word than the main Greek word for seek. So here's what happens. You're just kind of going through life, and then you get in an accident, or you get sick, or you go to church, and you hear the gospel, and God begins to work on your heart. 
You see, you cannot get saved unless God works on your heart. All right? So, what's God's part? The Son of Man came to what? Seek and to save that which is lost. So guess what God's doing? He's seeking everyone to be saved. Romans 3.20 He says, Behold, I stand at the door and what? It's in the present tense. The idea, he's going to knock. He's going to knock. And he says, if any man hear my voice, guess who has to open the door? Open the door. I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. Praise the Lord for that. The confidence that we have for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when he comes in, it says, who hath delivered us? And this is, this is a marvelous verse again. It's in the aorist passive, which means he's the one that delivers us from the power of darkness, and has translated us. He is the one who takes us out of the kingdom of darkness and puts us into his kingdom. Praise God for that. You didn't get as excited as I did. I'm going to tell you something. Don't ever get over it. According as his divine power hath given, heiress passive, Air is passive. This is what God does. He gives it to you into the position of salvation. That's what heiress is. He gave you the mother load when you got saved. All things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and to virtue. Oh, thank you, Lord, for the salvation that we have. Enter in that narrow way. Let's turn in our Bibles, if you would. Some people hope that there's not a hell out there. But what you find as he has two roads here, he has two decisions, he has two builders, you'll find that there's a right, there's a wrong, there's a heaven, there's a hell. There's light and there's darkness. If there's a heaven, there has to be a hell. And in Roman, or excuse me, Luke chapter 13, he says this, verse 23. When once the master of the house is risen, help, where am I? Am I, Luke, am I in Luke? I'm in Luke. 23, yes. 23. There you go. Then said one unto him. Thank you for being so astute this morning. Lord, are there few that be saved? And he said unto them, Strive to enter in at that straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house is risen up, and hath shut the door, and he began to stand without, and to knock at that door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. 
he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not whence you are. There comes a time when that door closes. Then shall ye then begin to say, We have eaten and drunken in the presence of thou that hast fought in our streets. And he shall say, I tell you and I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you know that in the end times, man will no longer be able to make the decision of accepting Christ as his Savior? The door shuts. It reminds me, in the liking of it, to Noah. Remember, for 120 years, built that ark. And I'm sure people looked at Noah and thought, what in the world are you building an ark in the middle of a desert? There came a day when the door was shut and no man could enter. There's coming a time when Jesus Christ is going to stay and knock. If this morning that God is speaking to your heart about your need of a Savior, why not choose to come to Moses' table? You know, the Bible says a man who hardens his heart shall suddenly be destroyed and that without remedy. God in his love has done everything he can to help you to come to Christ. He sent his son. He woos us. He seeks us. He wants us to discover him in creation. And he shows his hand strong. If you go to hell, it will be because of your own choice. And I want to encourage you to come and accept Christ as your Savior. And I'm going to tell you, it says here, what fruit then you have then in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Talking about, hey, listen, there are things out there that we did as a lost person that we're going to be ashamed of, and the end of those things is death. But now have been set free from sin. When I accepted Christ as my Savior, I was set free from the penalty and the power of sin and become a slave to God. By the way, when you enter that gate, you're not casually going into it and saying, well, I'll see what it's like and then back out and everything. You enter it and you take him as your Lord of your life and you keep allowing him to be the master of your life. You've been fruits to holiness, the end, everlasting life. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen to that. Oh, there's so many wonderful verses. And just conclude with these. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and that you ha might have it more abundantly. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's have heads bowed and eyes closed. And <clears throat> I would like you right now to ask yourself this question. We're going to give an invitation this morning to those two probably aspects of this invitation. One would be if you're saved and uh, you're not sharing your faith, then I hope that maybe the reality of others going to hell might spur our soul to say, God, I need to be more about sharing my faith with others. I'm sure all of us can be better at that. But in this invitation, and just like there in Matthew 7, 12, or 13 and 14, he says, enter in. 
I wonder, while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one's looking around, and you say this morning, you know, I have entered that gate. I've asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart. I know that I'm on a different path. It's not just made a decision and following the same way of life. No, I've entered a different path. I wonder, could you slip up your hand as testimony of that? I know I'm on the path because of God's changed and transformed my life. Thank you very much. This morning you say, you know, Pastor, maybe I made a decision when I was young. In fact, I think most of the folks that we were talking to on Friday night says, you know, I made a decision when I was young, but God spoke to my heart and says, you know what, you're not saved. You need to come and you need to get serious with the Lord and invite him into your heart and let him take away the power of sin and the penalty of sin. Transform your life. Oh, the thrill of the relationship of God in your soul. It's the abundant life. This morning, as you sit there, you're saying, you know, God's just speaking to my heart right now. I don't want to end up on that broad path or, or stay on that broad path. Because you see, the last enemy is going to come to all of us. The last enemy is death. When death comes knocking at your door, you will never be able to change your eternal destiny. And right now, if God's speaking to your heart, and you say, you know, I see this new life in Christ. And I see what Jesus Christ did. He died on that cross for me, for my sins. And he was buried, and he rose again so that I can have life. This morning while you're sitting there and you say, you know what? I want to put my faith in Christ. I want to enter in that gate. You're the only one that can change that course of direction by making the choice. Why don't you right now choose to put your faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone? Why don't you do that right now? Put your faith in Him and Him alone. He will change the course of your life. Oh, not an easy road. Not a road that's filled with roses without the thorns. But a road that he'll walk with us. He'll talk with us. He'll help us through those times of difficulty. He'll give us his Holy Spirit to guide us, grow us, lead us. Oh, that road. I never knew what was going to come on that road. I just knew that I wanted to get on that road, and it was by simple faith, believing what God says he means what he says. And I've never gotten over it. And why would I ever want to get off that road? So heads are bowed. Why don't you invite Christ into your heart? Dear God, come into my heart and save me. Father, folks have made that decision this morning. You know of all of eternity. And you know 
Oh, Lord, you see us. You want to see us. Lord, I pray that folks this morning have been active and open up that door. And I'll praise you for it. In Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to be singing an invitation song. You can keep your heads bowed and eyes closed. I think you you know the words of the song, but as before we sing it, as the piano continues to play, as we sing this song, I have decided to follow Jesus. Maybe this morning you have decided to make him your Savior. Maybe this morning you have decided to enter that straight gate. I want to encourage you to come during this invitation or Make sure you visit with me or Pastor Nathan or one of our pastors before you leave. We'd love to give you some more information, but if this morning you've opened up your heart's door to Jesus Christ, you have a new journey. Praise God for you. He talks about it as being born again. Amen. Maybe some of you, as we sing this song, you can say, you know, I remember when I decided Jesus. Let's sing it together. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have doesn't he? He wants you to think about the leeks and the onions of the world. But our God has a table in heaven that is far richer. It is the abundant life. If you, my friend, are not experiencing that abundant life, I encourage you to take it. Amen? And maybe this morning you made that decision to follow Jesus. Please let us know that. Amen? Before you leave. We have a great God. Amen? Amen and amen. Dad, I'll never get over it. I get to eat from the manna from heaven every day. And if your journey is not filled with the treasure of that, then visit with us. Because sometimes you can grow a little stale on that journey. And maybe not make the progress you want. At Westside Baptist Church, we want you to make progress. Amen? That's what keeps fire in a preacher's soul is keeping making progress. Even as old as you are, Brother Murray. And to the rest of us, Brother Rankin. How long have you been saved, Brother Rankin? 60 years. Have you ever gotten over it? Man. Don, how long have you been saved? 20 years. Mike, how long have you been saved? 41. Ah. I look around, we got a bunch of old people around here, don't we? <laughs> Brother Turner, how long have you been saved? 59. Ever get over it? Never get over it. I'm going to tell you something. Keep the thrill of Jesus in your soul. Amen to that? Amen to that. Well, we have a lot of things around here to help us with that, and I want to encourage you, if you keep your eyes on the bulletin, there's a lot of announcements. We're not going to go over all of them. We'll find them in Sunday school and all. But this Wednesday, a very important aspect, is we're going to be having a new members class 
we want to encourage you to be here. If you want to find out more about Westside Baptist Church, boy, those, those announcements went pretty fast, didn't they? Did you all see that we're having a potluck next uh, Sunday? All right. We're going to explain more about that in Sunday school, about the potluck, but bring a main dish and either side or and all will not have a night service next Sunday. It'll be our first potluck here at Westside Baptist Church. People says it just doesn't feel like home. Well, after we've had a potluck, it's going to feel like home. Amen to that? We get to eating around here, it's going to feel like home. Joshua, we're in that study. I want to encourage you to stay with us for our wonderful Sunday school classes that we have. We have four of them taking place right now and visit with folks. And then tonight our business meeting. You, oh, we're going to sing I Have Decided one more time. Is that all right? Can we sing that one more time? And I'll meet you in the back and make sure you share what God has done with others today if God is working your heart. 